You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 62. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, I'm answering two listener questions about raw files and color management. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending a little part of your day with me today. I have to admit, I am a little sleepy today. As some of you who follow me on Instagram know, we got a puppy a little over a week ago. Her name is Cedar, and she is just the sweetest little fuzzball who has become my little shadow. And I love having her in the office with me and I'm also very much looking forward to being past the house training stage and being able to get a full night's sleep again. Anyway, today's Tidbit Tuesday topic was inspired by two of our listeners who submitted questions related to what information is recorded in raw files and related to color management. Now, admittedly, this might not be the most inspirational of subjects to discuss, But I do think it is useful to understand nonetheless, and it brings together a few different concepts that are helpful to know, especially if you have any interest in eventually printing your photographs. So let's listen to our first question from Larry. As a raw shooter, what settings other than the exposure triangle and getting things in focus really matters to a raw image? Thank you. This is a great question, Larry, and the answer will actually lead us nicely into our second question today. So first, by way of background, let's talk a little bit about what a raw file is. So a raw file is simply an untouched data file of pixel information recorded by the camera's sensor. And each camera manufacturer has its own proprietary raw file format. But what is similar between them is that it's a data file. It's not an image file like a JPEG or TIFF, but it contains information needed to translate the raw data into an image file using raw converting software. An important clarification that I'd like to point out is that digital cameras always record a raw file regardless of whether you've chosen raw and or JPEG as the output file that gets written to the memory card. So saying that you shoot in RAW or shoot in JPEG is a little bit of a misnomer because all images are first recorded as RAW files. And so really what is meant by shooting in RAW or JPEG refers to the output file format that's recorded to the memory card. So when you choose RAW format as your output file, the camera actually performs an in-camera RAW conversion to create an embedded JPEG so that you can then preview the image on the LCD display. And the raw file is what's written to the memory card. And then you will need to use a raw converting software like Adobe Camera Raw or Lightroom to then open and edit the raw file. When you choose JPEG as your output file, the camera will do its in-camera raw conversion to create the JPEG, and then it will write that JPEG to the memory card and not the raw file. 
The downsides of shooting in JPEG are one, the in-camera raw conversion process is subpar compared to what can be done in a program like Lightroom. And two, some pixel information is tossed out by the camera in order to create the JPEG file. And the reason for this has to do with a difference in bit depth between the raw file and a JPEG, and it's a bit beyond the scope of this discussion. But suffice it to say that a JPEG is a compressed lossy file. And in order to create the JPEG file, the camera uses your settings to determine which pixels stay and which pixels go in order to then compress the file. Raw files, on the other hand, are not compressed and contain all of the pixel information recorded by the camera sensor. So what allows the camera to convert the raw file into a JPEG image are the camera settings, such as white balance, color space, and optimized presets or picture styles. Picture styles commonly include things like flat, neutral, standard, portrait, landscape, vivid, or monochrome. And these picture styles control things like brightness and contrast, clarity, sharpness, saturation, and hue for all different kinds of scenes or for achieving a desired effect or aesthetic. Again, these settings are only applied when the raw file is used to create an embedded JPEG for preview on the LCD, or if you have chosen to write the JPEG to the memory card. These settings are not applied to the raw file itself. So to finally answer Larry's question, the only settings that will affect the raw file are settings that are related to exposure, such as shutter speed, aperture, ISO, exposure compensation, and the metering mode, and settings related to focus, such as autofocus area modes and other camera operations like vibration reduction or eye tracking or isosensitivity and things like that that could affect the exposure and or focusing operations of the camera. All right. And with that background on raw files, now let's go to our next listener question, which was a write-in from Rich. Rich wrote, what are the color space settings on a camera used for? Raw files have no color space, so what is set in the camera is not embedded in the file. The best explanation I have found is that they are used for the LCD display and the histogram and possibly exposure, but I'd like to know for sure. This is a very good question, Rich, and the short answer is that the color space setting in the camera's shooting menu is applied to the JPEG conversion of the raw file. Whether that's the embedded JPEG used for the preview on the LCD, or if you're using the JPEG as the output file. Once the color space is applied to create the JPEG, it's baked in. You can't change the color space of a JPEG after the fact without further compromising the quality of the file. And as an aside, you are correct in that the histogram of the playback image on the camera represents the converted JPEG, not the raw file. So the histogram could change depending on what camera settings were applied to the JPEG file, and it may or may not precisely reflect the raw file. When raw files are opened in a raw converter like Lightroom, the color space tells the software how to interpret the color data in the raw file so that you can preview the image. However, the color space is not baked into the raw file, meaning you can change the color space of a raw file in the editing process without further compromising any pixel information in the file. So let's take a step back a second and ask, what is color space anyway? 
So each pixel in a raw file represents a luminance value recorded by the sensor for either red, green, or blue, or RGB. Color spaces are standardized ranges of colors that could be potentially rendered from a raw file. And the three most commonly used color spaces in digital photography are sRGB, Adobe RGB, and Profoto RGB. sRGB has the smallest range of colors, whereas Pro RGB has the widest range of colors, and Adobe RGB is right in the middle. And different color spaces have different uses. So the sRGB color space is best used for sharing images on the web and for sending photographs off to mini labs for printing like your local pharmacy. Adobe RGB is ideal for editing 8-bit and 16-bit images, and it's likely the color space that professional print labs will request your files to be in when you send them off for printing. Profoto RGB, which has the widest gamut, is appropriate for high-bit image editing in Photoshop. Editing in Adobe RGB or Profoto RGB usually yields the best results, but it's still a good idea to convert the file to sRGB when you're exporting and sharing on the web because a web browser will just convert it actually rather poorly to an sRGB file anyway. And lastly, how is a color space different from a color profile? Well, color space and color profile are terms that are used interchangeably, and that can lead to some confusion. At least it did for me as I was researching this topic more deeply. In order for a computer monitor or printer to accurately recreate the colors of each pixel within a given color space, it needs some way to compensate for its own interpretation of that color, which actually may deviate from the color space. And that's where a color profile comes into play. So a color profile can be created by calibrating your monitor with an external colorimeter like the Spider 5 from Datacolor, which is the one that I use for calibrating my monitor. And this detects the difference between a color space and the ability of your monitor to display those colors accurately. And then it compensates for that difference accordingly. Similarly, printers also have color profiles often called ICC profiles, and many professional print labs will provide you with their ICC profiles so that you can then soft-proof your images before printing. All right, thanks so much for listening to this Tidbit Tuesday. As always, I appreciate you tuning in and for your submitted questions. If you have a question or topic to suggest for a Tidbit Tuesday, just go to outdoorphotographypodcast.com and you can record or submit your question there. And I look forward to hearing from you. If you wanted to dive deeper into today's topics, I've put links to white papers and articles in the show notes that provide some more additional technical information. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast and would like to show your support, some of the best ways to do that are to share the show, buy me a coffee through the link in the description, or leave a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, or the podcast website. Every little bit helps me continue to grow and improve the show. So thank you. And I'll be back here next week with nature and travel photographer Elise Bender to chat about wildlife and conservation photography, traveling alone, trip planning, and how being a better naturalist can improve your photography. So be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite player so you don't miss out on this or any of our upcoming episodes. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care.